0: Greetings and welcome to a very special episode of Holy Crap it Sports, episode number 495, and we're here all day. I'm Pete Davis, uh, at least here for the next hour or so. A beautiful Monday morning, Monday, October 10th of 2022. Hope everybody had a great weekend. What a weekend it was. I mean, good grief. You had the baseball playoffs, you had college football, NFL, there all kinds of controversy in the Falcons game, all kinds of stuff. And for once, everybody in NFL world is siding with the Falcons. We're like the darlings of the media this morning. Anyway, we'll get to that in just a second. As always, follow me on Twitter, PeteDavis1. Uh, write me at Pete Davis one at Yahoo.com. Get a t-shirt at FarmhousePrintingCo.com. That's Kimmer Show t-shirts, Holy Crabbit Sports, Drank Up Shriners, anything you want. They'll print anything for you at FarmhousePrintingCo.com. And you can get one or you can get a 100. It doesn't matter. Uh, let's see. Also, if you'd like to be a patron of the show, you think it's worth uh, supporting, patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n let's look up holy crap sports and really do appreciate it thank you just cheeseburger month that's all we ask anyway let's get started headlines for monday october 10th of 2022 the braves i wake up this morning and they have signed another young player for the long run and this one's the the chanciest one yet i mean they're all crapshoots. This one really is. Uh, the Braves know their opponent, and when they'll play them, it's tomorrow afternoon at one o'clock, but I'll tell you who it is. You you know by now. So much for the home field advantage in the playoffs. The Mets got a Met, so suck on that, Keith Olbermann. Uh, Yankees hero from the close past has thrown his last pitch for the Yanks, it seems. The Volunteers may lose a player to felony assault. They can't have nice things in Knoxville. Auburn does what Auburn always does. Now here come the rumor mill, same as it ever was. The new peak poll is out, and so is the AP poll. We'll compare them. Both have new number ones. Shane Beamer gets the last laugh for now against Mark Stoops. We'll have an update on Lee Corso. The Falcons got robbed. Uh, Another week, another coach burned by stupid analytics. Atlanta United player said a bad word, and he's paying the price. I got Pete's tweets, this day in sports history, birthdays, all kinds of great stuff coming for you. So let's get started with episode number. What is it? Four ninety-five. <laughs> Woke up this morning to this. The Braves have signed right-hander Spencer Strider to a 6-year contract worth $75 million runs through the 2028 season. The deal includes a $22 million club option for 29 with a $5 million buyout. Strider will make 1 million per season for 2023 and 24, 4 million in 25, 20 million in 26, and 22 million per season from, uh, from 2027 to 2028. The deal will be worth $92 million over seven years if the option is exercised. The 23-year-old went 11-5 with a 2.67 earned run average in 31 games, 20 starts this season, struck out 202, allowed just 86 hits. The 6-foot, 205-pound native of Columbus, Ohio, became the first pitcher in Major League history to strike out over 200 with fewer than 100 hits allowed. Uh, The righty became the third rookie in Braves franchise history to strike out 200 in a season and the first in the modern era. Just 16 rookies have done so in baseball history, You Darvish doing so most recently uh, 10 years ago. Strider's 13.8 strikeouts per nine innings this season are the highest by a rookie pitcher in MLB history with a minimum of 12 starts. And he became the quickest pitcher in history to ever reach 200 strikeouts in a single season when he eclipsed the mark in his 130th inning. Hall of Famer lefty Randy Johnson held the previous record. He got 200 strikeouts and 130.2 innings in 2001. <coughs> Excuse me. So I need to take a drink, and here's a lift a mug of hearty hot chocolate or a hottie toddy to Spencer Strider because he now has generational wealth. He has set himself and his kids and his grandkids and his great, I mean, come on. Barring nuclear al- Armageddon, that would be my luck. I'm, I'm going to win the lottery, and, and the next day, Putin will launch the nukes. That would be just my luck. Anyway, Ivan the Great, who writes for Battery.com, points out that one thing worth noticing about this deal, it's kind of the odd payment structure, getting token amounts for the next three years, and then he gets that hefty uh, payments uh, later. So he's not going to be buying that mansion in the mountains any day now, even though he probably could. And, of course, this is all with the injury risk. That's the thing about this, which makes him different. Every player can be injured, the outfielders, infielders, whatever, Matt Olsen, Michael Harris, all these guys that they've signed, Austin Riley, they can get hurt tomorrow. But a pitcher, can I mean, he, he's good from one start to the next on a lot of things, as we found out with Mike Soroka with his freak injury. But, you know, hopefully Mike will be able to come back next year. And he's already been hurt, uh, Strider. Uh, in the past and he's got that oblique muscle which you know is causing him trouble now so we'll see um it's taking a chance but i like the i like the thing he's young and he's pre-disastered <laughs> yeah, oh gosh i shouldn't have said that the world according to garp that didn't end up well did it anyway but uh once again alex Anthopoulos, they say he's playing chess everybody else is playing checkers This is a good move. I like to see this. this. Compare this to the Mets. The Mets just lost, and they're all Pete Alonzo and all of them are weeping in the locker room because it's going to be a different team next year. They're losing players. They may not keep some. There's going to be free agents and trades and new signees and stuff, and Alonzo was saying it's not going to be the same team next year, and they were lamenting that fact. Think about that compared to what the Braves have. The Braves will basically have the same core players, especially if they re-sign Dansby Swanson, for the next five, six, seven years, which is absolutely amazing. By the way, uh, a lot of people still complaining that Swanson hasn't been signed. Hopefully he will. I still say it's 50-50. There's so many uh, shortstops on the market this year. It's not like they don't have, you know, choices swanson's an older player he's a veteran now several years under his belt it's a totally different situation than what spencer strider and harris and riley and everybody else had. he's kind of more akin to what olsen had except he grew up here uh, like olsen and he played here for most of his career in fact all of his major league career so uh, and the way he's playing the last two years last year was a career year this year even better He's, he's into his own now. This is his peak, and the Braves are built to win now. I hope they're, they're able to have some money left over to sign him. Anyway, the Braves will play the Phillies. The first game of the uh, four games in all the baseball set for Tuesday, tomorrow. The uh, game will start a little after 1 p.m. here in Truist Park. I believe it's Max Freed. I haven't looked. I don't know. Uh, Phil shocked the Cardinals in uh, St. Louis two games to none. They were losing in game one, two to nothing in the ninth after the Cards got a pinch hit, two-run homer from former Braves farmhand Yepez. But Philadelphia scored six in the top of the ninth. Shocked everybody. That's the most ever by a postseason team in the ninth after trailing going into the last frame. Philly also took game two in the playoffs. Philly also took game two despite Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina getting singles in their last at-bats to provide a little drama. Alberts was just a complete rocket past third base. Bryce Harper looks healthy again, a mammoth home run. I think that's the first one he's actually pulled like he did the other day since he – got his uh, wrist broken or hand, whatever it was. So it looks like uh, the Phillies are peaking at the right time. This could be a good series. Wouldn't it be ironic that the third team in the division comes up and bites us here? But uh, this is why you won the division. So you had a little rest. Hopefully they're not going to be too rusted and rusty when they get on the mound because it's been since last Wednesday. They were on the field playing a real game, the Braves. The Mariners surprised the Blue Jays in Toronto, two games to none. The BJs blew an eight to one lead at home Saturday to lose ten to nine. So suck on that, Justin Castro Trudeau. We don't have to worry about any Canadian weirdos. Sorry. <laughs> I dated a Canadian once. Yeah. Uh, a little more hot chocolate there. Uh it's it's like fifty-one, so I'm gonna have hot chocolate. The Padres embarrassed the Mets in flushing two games to one, winning the clincher six-nothing, I think. I, I kind of drifted off last night. Uh, behind starter Joe Musgrove, who's from El Cajon, California, which is just outside of San Diego. El Cajon is Spanish for the box. And that's just where Joe placed the Metropolitans in front of their so-called fans. I say this because it was a game three Winner-take-all playoff game in New York City, and the Mets didn't even have a sellout last night. Good weather in the 50s, nice weather, not a sellout. If that was Atlanta, we'd never hear the end of it. They, They mentioned it once or twice in passing. Speaking of bad fans, how many times do we get lectured that the St. Louis fans are the best in baseball? Well, I say Bullshark. They hit the exits in Game 1 when their team fell behind, like they were handing out free Budweiser's in the parking lot. It looked like cockroaches scattering when you turn the lights on in the kitchen. Please. In fact, even ESPN was making fun of them. Oh, they're the greatest fans ever. Shut them. The Cardinals had uh, been 93-0 and in their entire postseason history. And outside of the Yankees, the Cardinals have the best postseasons. They've won the most World Series outside of the Yanks, 93 and0 in uh, postseason history when leading by two or more runs in the ninth inning. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, part of me wanted their douchebag reliever Ryan Helsley to have to face the Tomahawk Chop here in Atlanta again. You might remember the thin-skinned, power-hungry Righty complained a few years ago about the Chop and wanted it stop. It was racist. It hurt my feelings. Well, he gave up a hit, two walks, then hit a batter and gave the game away Saturday, so suck on it, Ryan. St. Louis fans knew it was over when Nolan Arenado misplayed a grounder in that inning he usually catches that in his sleep. He backed up on it. He didn't he didn't charge it. It was like you got to be kidding me. But anyway, so their fan sucked and their reliever sucked and they're out of it. And frankly, while the Phillies can totally beat the Braves, anything can happen. I think I'd rather face them than face the Cardinals. It was something of the Cardinals have always been a pain in the butt. In fact, it was like Ten or eleven years ago on this date that the Cardinals eliminated the Braves from postseason in one of those times. Uh, The only time I remember the Braves getting the best of the Cardinals in a big way was when the Cards were up three games to one when LaRussa was uh, managing them. And Brian Jordan, playing for the Cardinals at the time, ran his mouth and then Smoltz got mad and the Braves won three straight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in fact, the last one was like 15-3 to 3 or something like that. Anyway, the Pods now face the Dodgers in L.A. Tuesday night. Uh, Mets manager Buck Showalter, bless his heart, fails again in the postseason, but he did try some gamesmanship, and I, for one, have no problem with it. Musgrove was rolling into the bottom of the sixth inning. Buck came out of the dugout and made the umpires check Joe's head. Now, earlier in the game, they did a close-up of Joe several times, uh, while he stood on the mound, and his ears looked like they were glistening, the rest of his face was it had a little sweat, but his ears were glistening. Somebody actually likened it to a Krispy Kreme glazed donut. It was very bizarre, and I remember thinking that is a weird way for a man to sweat—just his ears. But Buck thought it might be something underhanded by the overhander, so the umpire rubbed Joe's ears with his fingers. Ooh. Uh, it's creepy, but it is New York a lot of man touching going on now I'd feel sorry for showalter, but he's a met, so if he made his bed hard, go lay in it, like my great grandmother used to say. Andrew McCutcheon tweeted that Musgrove might have rubbed something called red hot on his ears to help him focus because I know that burning ears always makes me perk up and pay attention. What the hell? Anyway, the Mets got one lousy hit last night. That hasn't happened too much, and I'll tell you about that coming up in Pete's tweets. I loved hearing the Let's Go Padres echoing throughout Citi Field during the game. A long offseason awaits the Mets. They face decisions on Diaz, Bassett, uh, Carrasco, and likely their ace, Jacob deGrom, who has indicated he plans to opt out of his contract. Taiwan, I think he's tired of playing in New York. I think that's the problem there. Taiwan Walker has a player option for next season, but he can choose free agency. The Mets have indicated to another free agent, Brandon Nemo, uh, they have uh, would like to extend their relationship. We'll see. Seth Lugo and Adam Adovino are other key members of the bullpen, also free agents. Now compare that once again with what the Braves are doing. Every team's going to have changes, but we will see. New York Post columnist Mike Vaccaro blames the Mets' ousting on the butterfly effect. Uh, That's kind of like chaos theory if you watch Jurassic Park. That's when a butterfly can flap its wings in China, which leads to a hurricane in the Caribbean. Uh, Vaccaro writes that Austin Riley letting that dribbler up the third base line go foul Sunday a week ago when he could have fielded it fair and eaten the run with the bases loaded, which would have put the Mets up 4-1, to one, probably chased Charlie Morton from the game. That was his butterfly flapping. Remember, that was the last game of the series with the Mets. They were already up 3-1 three, three to one in that game. The Mets season was downhill from there. As Vaccaro writes, the ball rolled foul. The butterfly went to work, and winter has fallen on Flushing Meadows. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's a good line right there. Winter's not coming. It is here for the Mets. Uh, meanwhile, the voice of the Mets, TV guy Gary Cohen, who seemingly has an opinion on everything from rain delays here in Atlanta to Yankees highlights being played during Mets games, did not like Buck Showalter's antics. Here's his quote, Gary Cohen. Let me phrase this the right way. Buck Showalter is completely in his rights to ask the umpires to check a pitcher for foreign substances. It's up to the umps then to decide whether it's an appropriate thing to do. I thought that considering the circumstances, down 4 nothing, sixth inning, season on the line, it smacked of desperation, and it was fairly embarrassing. I thought for Buck to do that in that spot. It was not necessary. As it turned out, Musgrove was not cheating. If you're going to pull a stunt like that, you better be right, and Buck was not right. End quote. That's what Gary Cohen said. That's like Chip Carey coming out and criticizing Brian Snicker after a move. Do you think that's going to happen? I feel Buck was trying to get into Musgrave's head and the Padres' heads, and it was worth the chance because the damn season was on the line. San Diego hitters kept stepping out of the batter's box and calling time the whole game against Chris Bassett, an attempt, which I think worked, to get under his skin and get under the Mets' skin. And Musgrove was a hero, basically by holding the Mets to I think he went seven innings, and the Mets couldn't even touch him. He was I've seen him pitch before, and that kid was pitching. He was throwing things that you're just not going to hit it. It was absolutely amazing uh, the way he was throwing last night. And the Padres right now, if they get past the Dodgers, which you know, they have such a mental block with the Dodgers. Believe me, I lived out there for three years. The Padres have had a mental block about the Dodgers in L.A for 60 years now ever since 1969 when they came into existence so it's not 52 sorry it's 50 it's 53 years sorry not 60 but they really do have a complex out there and it goes all the way from the team to team management to the fans San Diego is always the little brother of LA they know it and they're not happy about it and uh, and I tell you if I I'm not gonna say anything like that Uh, but anyway Uh, what else we got the guardians the only team to win a home series (laughs) i mean the whole thing was set up for if you got the better record you got the home field advantage and it only worked in one case Uh, They edged Tampa Bay two straight games, uh, great pitching games for both teams. Uh, Forget DeGrom and Scherzer. Cleveland has what I think one of the best one-two starting pitchers in all of baseball with Bieber and that string bean kid. I can't remember his name. Blake Snell must be laughing, still alive in the postseason with the Padres as his former manager Kevin Cash loses another series. You might remember it was two years ago that Cash pulled Snell when he was with Tampa Bay who was pitching a no-hitter at the time against the Dodgers. And he pulled him, and the Rays went on to lose. Meanwhile, Yankees reliever Aroldis Chapman has been ruled out for the American League Division Series after he skipped a mandatory workout. So they fined him, and it's probably going to end his seven-year tenure with New York. The All-Star is 34 years old now, probably would not have been on the 26-man roster for the best-of-five series against Cleveland, which starts tomorrow night. He's had erratic performances and inconsistent mechanics. He doesn't have what he used to have. He hasn't got a save since May 17th. He had been scheduled to pitch batting practice on Friday at Yankee Stadium, but the team said instead he he went to Miami. Uh, after speaking with uh, Chapman, manager Aaron Boone told the general manager, Brian Cashman, that he instructed the pitcher to stay away from the club. Uh, I wouldn't sign a Raulis Chapman. With, uh, I hope the Braves don't. But if Alex does, it's because he's a genius and knows more than I do. And is there any better duo in the booth right now? Social media was talking about this over the weekend, and I agree. Former Braves play-by-play man and Cubs 2, John Shambi, Well, he's with the Cubs now. John Shomby and Doug Glanville together. Always entertaining, and Glanville knows his stuff. He's a soft-spoken man. But everything that comes out of Doug Glanville's mouth, pay attention to. The man knows baseball. And he, they have a good rapport with each other. Shambi's always uh, been extremely, uh, to me, amusing. He's like, he's like a, a happier Skip carry, <laughs> it seems. And uh, they do a great job. Shambi and Glanville, to me, is the best thing going right now as opposed to some of the other duos. And it's like, ugh. College football now. I'm going to take a sip of the old hot chocolate. Oh, yeah. And tip for you young broadcasters out there. Gatorade dries your throat out. Cold water will kind of uh, also almost do the same thing to a certain extent. Warm water is actually best, but it's hard to drink warm water anyway. I, I'm the grizzled veteran giving advice to some people that are on the radio when I have not been on the radio for three years now. But anyway, we got some great news today. Flounder pointed out the podcastpark.com, which is. Uh, what six eighty the fans on with all uh, the the boards and stuff like that a lot of great check it out the podcastpark.com that's where the kimmer show is located if you want to look it up or go to the kimmer kimmershow.net but the podcastpark uh, .com i think .com or .net either one the podcastpark.net or .com check it out either one you can find the kimmer show there too that we according to flounder for the last 3 months have been the number one podcast on there. And they've got some damn good podcasts on there. I'm telling you. So it's the Dickey Broadcasting Organization and all that, uh, and uh, we couldn't be uh, more pleased. Uh, College football news. Former Georgia head coach and athletic director Vince Dooley is in an Athens hospital battling a case of COVID. He is expected to recover soon. Dooley turned 90 years old last month. Former Georgia Tech head coach Bill Curry A lifelong adversary of Dooley and the dogs sent out a very touching tweet praying for the living legend to get well soon. Say what you want about Bill Curry. He is a Southern gentleman. Uh, Auburn has allegedly called a news conference today, sometime this morning maybe. Uh, Of course, they're one hour behind us. Some people say they're like 100 years behind us. But anyway, uh, they are expected to fire head coach Brian Harsin. As of right now, it has not happened. What time is it? It is 1041 a.m. Eastern time, 941 Auburn time. So, you know, and and in Auburn, the barners have to get up and feed the livestock and plow the field and, you know, collect a little harvest and bring in the wood and do their chores before they can, you know, come in and do a press conference. So anyway, I can make fun because I'm from here. If any of you Penn Staters or Notre Dame Golden Domers or Syracuse a-holes run your mouth, you're going to have to go through me. Even if it is Auburn, I'm protecting. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, so, of course, the rumor mill has been up and running since last night when the news came out. I don't even know if it's true that I would looked on this morning. I didn't see anything about the press conference, but I don't know. Probably is. So, of course, you got the usual suspects: Lane Kiffin, number one. Then you get Hugh Freeze or Dion Sanders. Somebody says Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's not going to Auburn, is he? No, I don't think so. Uh, good luck to the poor bastard who takes the huge contract. you got to wonder if the BS you have to put up with down there is, is worth it because you'll be there five to eight years, and it doesn't matter if you win a national championship or not, or even play in one, they will run you out of town. They've done it. Tuberville did it to Bowden. They did it to Malzahn. They did it to Chiswick. I mean, it's just incredible. Meanwhile, uh, Tennessee having a great year, and they got Alabama and Knoxville this Saturday. Uh, they've lost their defensive starter, maybe. Jalen McCullough arrested uh, yesterday morning, charged with aggravated felony assault. McCullough, a four-year starter, currently tied for fourth best on the team with 23 tackles, allegedly punched a man in the mouth, knocking out his teeth and knocking him out. So we'll see about that. Supposedly, the man was a little inebriated and walked into the wrong apartment. Hmm. Arch Manning may not immediately be handed the Texas quarterback job the moment he steps foot on the Austin campus. Redshirt freshman Quinn Ewers led the Longhorns to a 49 to nothing spanking of Oklahoma in the Red River shootout in Dallas Saturday. Sooner's first-year head coach Brent Venable's seat is not hot yet, but it's mighty uncomfortable. Uh, he better get out and recruit because Oklahoma people are not going to put up 49 to nothing. And the fact that the week before, the Horned Frogs took their lunch money and ran off with it, not two weeks in a row, baby. He could be one and done. Isn't that what happened? I'm trying to think. There was a coach years ago. Hell, I wrote a book about him. I should remember this guy's name. I forget who he was. He was an African-American coach who lasted, what, one or two years before they chased him out of there? It doesn't last long. NFL news. Okay, let's get to the big controversy yesterday. Falcons were making a great comeback in Tampa before the referees got word from the league office in New York City that Tom Brady cannot lose to the Atlanta Falcons, or at least that's the working theory. He's now 11-0, and by the way, against them. Falcons fall 21-15 to when late in game... Two curious flags were thrown against the ATL. The second one, a phantom roughing the passer call when Grady Jarrett failed to warn Brady by letter that he was coming to gently lay him down on the ground. It was a sack like any other. In fact, Lamar Jackson got sacked the exact same way and the Ravens went over the bingos last night late in the game in an even rougher manner. But since his name is not Tom Brady, no flag was thrown. Twitter erupted as the football world, almost 99%, is supporting the Falcons. Ryan Clark was on Get Up this morning saying, that, calling it all kinds of things, and saying that the referee, who's from Atlanta, by the way, supposedly he's a Morehouse man, uh, he should be reprimanded. Maybe suspended. Fine. Falcons fans went nuts with the F word. Yeah, that F word, but also the other one, F for fixed. Hard to argue watching those calls in the fourth quarter. I'll have the best of those coming up in Pete's tweets. The Bucks had jumped out to a 21-0 lead. Here's how ESPN described it. Referee Jerome Boger said Falcons defensive lineman Jarrett unnecessarily threw Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady to the ground as part of his explanation for the roughing the passer call on a key third down late in the Bucks' win. The Falcons are down by six with three minutes and three seconds to play. They appeared to stop the Bucks at midfield on the third down sack of Brady, but Boger threw a flag allowing the drive to continue and Tampa Bay to run out the clock. Jared had wrapped Brady up and then rolled to the ground, bringing the quarterback along with him. What I had was the defender grabbing the quarterback while he was still in the pocket and unnecessarily throwing him to the ground, Boger said in a post-game pool report. That's what I was making my decision based on. There are at least two other sacks of Brady earlier in the game in the first half that were worse than what Grady Jarrett did. No flags. Inconsistent. And when the inconsistency always seems to fall in Tom Brady's favor, you gotta wonder about that f-word we were talking about and with the gambling thing going on these days it's just a matter of time before something happens if they had it in the nba uh and other sports soccer especially it's just a matter of time for one of these umps or referees is caught taking money just my my opinion it's not an opinion it's gonna be it's gonna happen on a weird note, a, a boy, now some people say he was 10, some say he was older, ran onto the field, tackled hard by a security guard in the second quarter of the uh, Falcons game. A woman identified herself as the child's mama, told AP that he's 10. A police officer said, no, he's not 10, he's older, but he's still a juvenile. Uh, the woman allegedly has several children and was confused about which one jumped onto the field. <laughs> Where's Bobby? Where's Bobby? Where's Bobby? Uh, Tampa Police Department spokesman Eddie Durkin said the boy was issued a civil citation and given a notice to appear in court, Uh, which, you know, if he's an American citizen, he probably will. Otherwise, you know, I pay attention to that. Uh, This reminds me of a sign that the late great bartender Bill McCluskey used to have behind the bar at Manuel's Tavern. And he had it. It was about the Vikings in the Metrodome, but we'll put it toward the, the Falcons. It read, Will the lady who left her 11 kids at the game today please come get them? They're bidding the Falcons 21 to nothing. <laughs> All right, I found it amusing. And the Falcons have made a trade. Uh, the Browns have acquired linebacker Dion Jones. The teams agreed to swap late-round picks in the 2024 draft. Jones made the Pro Bowl in 2017. He should should help bolster Cleveland's linebacking core, which has struggled since losing Anthony Walker to a season-ending quad tear in Week 2. He should help them, but he he won't. Jones is the last Falcons player given a lucrative contract under the previous regime uh, to have his situation settled as current GM Terry Fontenot and head coach Arthur Smith look toward the future. Let me say something about this. Arthur Smith is growing, in my estimation, every week. He had that team ready to play. Yeah, they fell behind twenty-one to nothing, but they had some bad calls, some some weird stuff went went on. They were not going to get blown out, and he brought that team back. Mariota brought that team back. He tried to fumble, but he found, he he juggled the ball again. But he he picked up his own fumble. I'll give him that. Uh, but run the damn ball, please. Run the damn ball more than you throw it with Mariota, which they do. Arthur Smith is gaining my respect. He has that team ready to play. They're two and three. They should have been three and two. The referees stole their chance to go 3-2. and two. Imagine that. The, the Falcons would be 3-2 and two and the, the Bucks would have been 2-3. and three. But anyway, uh, I really think Arthur Smith has got this team going right direction. Fontenot, too. Uh, so I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt right now, which, believe me, as long as I've been following this team, that's something. Uh, Jones had been on injury reserve all year, had a shoulder procedure done in the offseason. Uh, let's see. They've been trying to trade him for months. Trying to work out something. Uh, They had moved on from Jones. They had several, I mean, they signed Rashawn Evans to a one year deal. They had plans for Michael Walker to take over the other inside linebacker position. They drafted Troy Anderson in the second round. And so they got that going for them. Deion Jones started 83 of 85 games in Atlanta, 652 tackles, 11 interceptions, five return for touchdowns, 44 passes defended, and 8.5 sacks. It's probably not Ring of Honor quality but Deion Jones especially at the beginning under um, Dan Quinn Deion Jones helped get him to the Super Bowl last week it was Baltimore head coach John Harbaugh having to explain why he followed a stupid analytics book over common sense and left points behind only to lose the game well this week it's Cincinnati's head coach Zach Taylor who gave up a chance for three points in the second half to go for it on fourth and goal at the two only to fail, ironically, against the Ravens. His team lost to Baltimore in the last-second field goal, 19-17, and Justin Tucker, is he not the man? Amazingly, the Bengals are just 1-22. and Think about this. Cincinnati Bengals are 1-22 and playing at night on primetime television. 1-22. and uh, The Packers lost again, this time in London to the Giants, and this is a week after Aaron Rodgers says, "We're, we're I am going to play better. Mm-hmm. Once again, after the loss, Aaron spouted some New Age tripe about speaking things into existence, something about words and manifestation. First of all, anytime you use the word manifestation, it usually is not good. This is what happens when you allegedly date a witch. Now, how about just throwing touchdowns and leave the mystical stuff to the wizards, who I think are in Washington in the... NBA Patriots shut out the Lions twenty-nine to nothing in Foxborough, wearing the coolest throwback unis: red jerseys with shoulder stripes, white pants, and those iconic Colonial Army Patriot hunched over to hike the ball. I've liked that logo since I was a kid, uh, back when Jim Plunkett was there and Steve Grogan and the like. Uh, uh, the guy is complete with tricorn hat, and he's hiking the ball. It is classic. Uh, college football news again. Let's go back to that. Shane Beamer got the last laugh Saturday night after South Carolina beat uh, Kentucky upset 24-14. to During the Gamecocks postgame celebration, Beamer brought up Mark Stoops' SEC Media Day's comments. Quote, make sure we're classy in our postgame with the media, Beamer told his team. Uh, at SEC, I guess, wait a minute, I should have ended a quote there, sorry. At SEC Media Day, Stoops talked about stupid sunglasses and dancing. Beamer then put on the glasses and started dancing to Soldier Boy's "Turn My Swag On." That's right up there with "In the Mood" by Glenn Miller. During media day, Stoops appeared to take a shot at South Carolina and Beamer, saying, "It's easy to change a climate. You can change a uniform, talk a little game, dance around, put on some stupid sunglasses. But to change a culture is at the core, and I'm certain, quite certain, that we've changed our culture at Kentucky." Well, South Carolina improved to four and two on the season following the upset. Kentucky fell in the poll. I have to look and see if I even have them in my poll anymore. They're, they've now got two straight losses in a row after falling to Ole Miss the week before. They have two straight SEC losses and how great would it have been for if Alabama would have had two SEC losses already. <sighs> Wait, when, when who did they lose to early? They lost now they they beat Texas A&M. They should have lost to them. Who the hell am I thinking about? Who uh Anyway, uh, we'll talk about them later. Meanwhile, Alabama State head coach Eddie Robinson Jr. is no fan of Jackson State head coach Dion Sanders. After J State beat Bama State Saturday, the two coaches met at midfield, allegedly shook hands, kind of, and then Robinson put his hand, his left hand on Dion's chest and pushed him away. Sanders stood there with his arms out like, "What the hey?" Afterwards, Robinson had this nugget of joy. Let me find this for you here because this is a classic and there's I think there's some bad words here. So I'm gonna warn you. There's some bad words here from uh, Mr. Watch again. Come on, Come on, turn on. Here, yeah, come on. Uh, watch. Oh, now it's now it's playing around with me. Now it's the, it's the circle of death, as we like to say. Turn that on. Let me sorry. Let me try it one more time. Turn it back on. Put that to the sign. Get that there. Maybe someone's already taken it down from where I had it. That looks like to be the problem here. Uh, I tried it before I started doing it this morning, about an hour ago, and it worked fine, and now it's not. So wherever I got it from, it looks like they have taken it down off the Internet. Anyway, Eddie Robinson went on for like over a minute, just basically railing about Deion, uh, uh, Deion Sanders is not swack. I'm swack. he's not swack. he just helicoptered in, blah, blah, blah. He was saying that Dion didn't want to shake his hand, uh, avoided him before the game, so why shake my hand afterwards, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Dion had been running his mouth all week putting down Alabama State because State had uh, put Jackson State as their homecoming game. Robinson says, I hope we play them next year. I hope they – in Jackson, and I hope they put us down as their homecoming game. So, if Dion is still the head coach at Jackson State next year, which I kind of doubt it, it'll be very interesting uh, to see these two play each other. Meanwhile, Lee Corso missed his second straight college game day. This time it was in Kansas. ESPN says he's still under the weather, yet they expect him to come back soon. Either way, this is likely the last season Corso will appear live on set. He may do some stuff from his home, though. ESPN has already kind of replaced him with Pat McAfee, which makes for a very crowded, you know, desk, frankly. Now I know McAfee is the hottest media guy in sports these days, this side of Peyton and Eli but I still don't quite connect him with college football. He's going to have to grow on me. He's more of an NFL gambling guy to me, and I'm not knocking that or him. He's going to have to be an acquired taste when it comes to talking college football, though. He knows what he's talking about. He's a former player. He's played college and pro. It's just I don't associate him yet with college football, but I probably will in a year or two. Meanwhile, Johnny Manziel took a shot at Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher for that horrendous goal line call with a game on the line in Tuscaloosa. The Aggies blew a chance to upset Alabama for the second straight year, but Haynes King, the quarterback for the Aggies, pulled a Matt Ryan and threw short of the end zone. Manziel said it was one of the worst calls he'd ever seen in his life, and he should know he threw enough of them in his short NFL career. He made a lot of bad calls on and off the field. Some soccer news here, Atlanta United midfielder Santiago Sosa, great name, has been suspended for three games and issued an undisclosed fine after he used an anti-gay slur in his team's match against the New England Revolution October 1st. I don't know what it was, but I do want to know. Sosa is just 23, get this, he is also required to attend LGBTQ plus allyship training. Does that not sound like indoctrination and grooming to you? He's a grown man. He's 23. Find him. Tell him if he does it again, he's out for half a season. But to make that man have to go sit with a group of people he may not want to be with because of his own beliefs. Now, he shouldn't have said the word. I'm not defending that. What I'm saying is to have him to go through a damn seminar and training where he's going to probably be berated and lectured to, Are you kidding me? He's a grown-ass man. Uh, Afterwards, a gay man will be allowed to attach electrodes to Sosa's testicles, too. They didn't mention that. The club does not condone the use of harmful or disrespectful language towards any person, especially if other people can hear it, fans or whatever. Santiago is extremely remorseful and personally apologized to the player. He has also requested additional resources from Major League Soccer's Players Association to grow from this incident. Please, do you have any pamphlets I could take home? (laughs) Sosa missed Atlanta's final game of the regular season at home to the New York City FC Sunday. As well, he will miss the first two games of the 2023 season. United have already been eliminated from playoff contention, and they had the balls to tweet something yesterday after a win or something like that Not over the weekend. They posted something like, Job done. Job accomplished. Almost up there with Bush's mission accomplished. And I'm thinking, you have allegedly the highest payroll in soccer in America, and you're not in the playoffs again? What what job did you accomplish? I don't know how they could have taken the most exciting thing to hit Atlanta since the Braves' playoff run here. And they turned it into a losing squad, and they went from – from going to the championship game and losing it to winning the championship game to changing coaches, completely getting the wrong guy in here. They had the most exciting offensive-minded team in the history of uh, MLS, and they went out and hired a Dutch defensive guy which, who destroyed the mojo, and they've never gotten it back. They tried. They have, they've got, they're, they're two coaches away now. They have not got it back, and they seem to be getting worse. How could you spend all that money and have that fan support and suck so bad and kill it, kill the mojo so quickly? Arthur Blank. On this day, October 10th, 1892, the entire Hong Kong national cricket team died in a shipwreck off Taiwan. 1899, African-American inventor Isaac R. Johnson patented the bicycle frame. Bicycle. Bicycle. There is no singing. Pete shot. Nineteen seventy-six. A giant stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, opened with the Giants going down twenty-four to fourteen to the Cowboys in front of seventy-six thousand plus fans. I I went to Giants Stadium several times when the Falcons played the Giants or the Jets, and I have to tell you, I like that stadium. It, it was a better version of Charlotte Stadium. It was a little more upright and. The fans were always raucous, and we always had a good time. It, was, it wasn't was the best hotel we stayed at uh, there in New Jersey, but it wasn't bad. And a few times, you know, we'd get up and go to, into the Manhattan, you know, Saturday night and have a good time. Although the one time I was really looking forward to it, I showed up with an absolute horrible cold, and I just laid in bed in New Jersey the whole day and night watching college football. But anyway. I like Giant Stadium. I have not been to the new one they have built. It's probably a bigger version of the old one. I don't know why I like the old one so much. Uh, they had a really great media thing, and the food was pretty good. I'll give them that. Uh, 1976, on the same day, Greece had a 98-year-old man, the oldest man ever, to complete, uh, compete in a marathon. He finished the marathon in 7 hours and 33 minutes. I guarantee you that's, that's quicker than I would right now. Uh, his name was Demetrian Jordanitis. Jordanitis. God, I had a little touch of that in my left foot the other day. Uh, 1994. New York Giants retire Lawrence Taylor's number 56. Birthdays: October 10th, 1920. Here's one local: Frank Sinkwich, College Football Hall of Fame halfback, won the Heisman Trophy in 1942 for Georgia. Was the number one draft pick of the Lions in 43, NFL MVP in 44, born in Star Jack, Croatia. That's right. Died in 1990. 1926, Ralph Liguori, a NASCAR racer. Had, uh, let's see, five top five finishes. Uh, born in New York City. Died a couple years ago. 1968, James Williams, linebacker for the Falcons and 49ers. Born in Natchez, Mississippi. 1969, Brett Favre was born. Boy, is he in a heap of trouble. Uh, Won the Packers the Super Bowl in 30, uh, Super Bowl 31, born in Gulfport, Mississippi. He's in some hot water right now. 1970, Matthew Pinsent was a rower for the English team uh, for the 1992 and 96 Atlanta games, an Olympic gold coxless pair. That poor bastard was coxless. Uh, he was a broadcaster at the BBC. He was born in Holt, England. That's right. Matthew Pinsent, a won gold as a coxless pair. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta wonder about that. He was coxless, but he was a pair. So he had a, so he had the twins. But I'm sorry. Let's just keep moving. 1974, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was born. Racer, owner, and broadcaster, won the Daytona 500 in 2004 and 14, Uh, born in Kannapolis, North Carolina. 1976, Pat Burrell, baseball player, mainly an outfielder for the Phillies, born in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. I think I've been there. Uh, 1984, Troy Tulewitzki, uh shortstop and all-star in 2010, 11, 13, 14, and 15. Gold Glove Awards a couple times with the Rockies, later played with the Blue Jays, born in Santa Clara, California. This guy was a Hall of Famer, but injuries took him off that track. It was a shame. Dead people on October 10th, 1966, we lost Charlotte Cooper, a British tennis player, the first female Olympic champion in 1900. Get this, Charlotte Cooper won Wimbledon, 1895, 96, 98, 1901, and 1908. uh, Died at the age of 96. 2004. This is a cautionary tale. Ken Caminiti, third baseman in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s for the Astros and Padres, three other teams, including the Braves. uh, National League most valuable player in 96. Died of a drug overdose. He was 41. Ken Caminiti roids, all kinds of drugs, over-the-counter, under-the-counter, illegal, legal. It was just, there's, you know, tales talking to Braves players that played with them and other players that played with them. He was just a sad case. He had so much talent. He was, let me take a sip here. He was the modern equivalent, and I say modern. He reminded me of Greg Nettles. Remember, Indians, Braves, Yankees. Great third baseman defensively. he that in 80, I think, perfected dive, roll, get up, and throw the guy out. It was amazing watching him play, but now we know why he did some of those things. 2008, Sid Hudson died. He was a Major League All Star in the 1940s for the Senators and the Red Sox. Died at the age of 93. Uh, 2012, the great Alex Karras perished. His kidney failure. He was 77. Alex, of course, was an actor. He's the famous Mongo from Blazing Saddles. He punched the horse out. Not really. He was also in that TV show with Webster. That was it with his wife Susan. I forget her name. Uh, but he was an actor, pretty good actor. All right, time for Pete's tweets. Let's get into this here right now. We got some good Pete's for you. Pete's. We got some good tweets tw- 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 for you today here on uh, Pete's tweets. If I can find him here. All right, here we go. First of all, Jeff Passan. This is not 1958, Jeff. The Brill Cream, he looks like he, he was, someone grabbed him by a foot. Remember the old myth of Achilles' mother taking him by the heel and dipping him in the river where which made him immune to all arrows and spears and clubs? The only thing that could hurt him was if you got him in the heel and somebody shot an arrow in his heel and killed him. Uh. Someone, Jeff Passan's mother, took him by the heel when he was born and dipped him in the Brill Cream River, the Dippity Doo River. I have not seen that much product in a guy's hair since Sha Na Na was in town. Was it Bowser? Anyway, I mean, and it, he looks just like Shoney's Big Boy is what he looks like. Uh, the Surrender Cobras were out early. If you follow me on Twitter, Pete Davis won at the Mets game the other day. It was kind of funny. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach. Now, that is a big boy. And uh, I said, Vogelbach is German for sausage casing. One person seemed a little offended by it, but uh, still funny. What else we got here? Uh, one guy looked like a 58-year-old Peyton Manning at the Mets game. It was, it was shocking. I had a lot of great memes and uh, gifs that I put out, by the way, if you follow me on Twitter. One kid looked like Lawrence Arabia. It was pretty funny. That was my masterpiece tweet over the weekend, I, I must say. All right, here we go, Mets. Uh, let's see. In postseason history, Major League history, Max Scherzer gave up seven runs and four home runs in a single game. It's only happened once before. 1939, Gene Thompson of the Reds in the World Series did it. Other than that, Max Scherzer. Now, how's the thing about Scherzer. I'm going to say, DeGrom's probably out of New York. I don't know if he's coming to Atlanta. I don't know if I want him here. He's hurt all the time. and they're going to. I don't know if he's worth all that money, if he's going to be hurt so much. Scherzer is not the Max Scherzer of just two years ago. Remember last year, he couldn't pitch for the Dodgers against the Braves? Uh, he and Kershaw were both hurt, helped the Braves out a lot. Uh, Kershaw's not hurt this year. That kind of sucks. But anyway, um, Scherzer, last year and this year, He's not a shell of his former self, cause he, but toward the end of the seasons. And he's, what, now 38, something like that? It ain't going to get any better. It's unlike, unlike Justin Verlander, who's found the fountain of youth in Houston. I mean, he had an ERA under two this year, 18 wins. What the hell? I tell you what, when you have a supermodel wife that looks like his wife, I guess that keeps you young. But anyway, gosh, she's hot. But Max Scherzer is fading, and it's, it's kind of sad to see. Not really. Uh, Brandon Joseph uh, posted this, that Kennesaw State has been sitting on plans to expand the 5th uh, Third Bank Stadium, which is a horrible name, as well as build a full one-on facility attached to the uh, open end of the end zone, funded by Wellstar. He said this, and the stadium, by the way, was built with footings already for a second level because Pete Tamil of ESPN says that Kennesaw State has emerged as the favorite to become Conference USA's 10th member in 2024. That would uh, be really cool. All right, here's the most consecutive wins in Major League postseason history when you lead by multiple runs entering the ninth inning. Now, like I have mentioned earlier, the St. Louis Cardinals, from 1926 to 2020, 93 times in a row they won. They didn't win on Friday. So that broke that streak. The only team with more, uh, the Yankees, had 166 and still do from 1921 to now. The Braves are third with 63 uh, from 1914 to now. And the Giants, New York and San Francisco, have 63 tied with the Braves, 1905 to 2016. So their streak was snapped. Okay, what else we got here? That's not sports. No, that's not sports either. Uh, The Athletic. The Athletic has probably the best sports writers in the country, a lot of them. They get all the press and PR in the world. They're mentioned constantly on Fox Sports, ESPN, all over the place. They're all over social media. They were charging $7.99 a month for this. They've cut it to $1 a month. What does that tell That It tells you a lot of things that's going on right now in the economy. Oh, let's see. Here's kind of a sports thing. Teach a man to fish and he'll eat for life. Give him someone else's fish and he'll vote for you. <laughs> Uh, Brett McMurphy tweets, Oklahoma fans are petitioning ABC to cut into the Texas game for any Aaron Judge at-bats or for any reason at all. <laughs> the Hawks are off to a good start in um, in preseason right now. Here are NFL quarterbacks younger than Stetson Bennett, the Georgia quarterback. NFL, with a start this season, too. Justin Fields of the Bears, Justin Herbert of the Chargers, Jalen Hurts of the Eagles, Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars, Davis Mills of the Texans, Tua Tagovailoa of the Dolphins, Mac Jones of the Patriots. If Mac Jones doesn't look out, Bailey Zappi is going to take his job. Trey Lance of the 49ers and Zach Wilson of the Jets, all younger than Stetson Bennett. All younger than Stetson Bennett. There was a great uh, posted on video. The Cleveland game, I think Saturday, lasted 15 innings. Nobody scored until the 15th inning. Imagine sitting there that entire game, watching every pitch, four hours, 57 minutes, 15 innings. And when the guy, the Guardian hit his uh, game-winning home run in the bottom of the 15th, you weren't watching. There's a big fat guy behind home plate in a big white uh, Cleveland jersey who literally, everybody in the whole ballpark is watching the home run hit. He is turned around fumbling in his man purse for his last Baby Ruth bar. And he's fumbling around. He looks like Chris Farley. And as soon as he hears the hit, he he turns around and looks. And I swear, as the ball is leaving, he thinks about that Baby Ruth again. And he almost turns around to go get it. And then he turns back around going, no, I need to watch the home run because this is the game. And he pulls his sunglasses up and down like Chris Farley does in the meme. It was uh, pretty damn funny. I thought it was funny. Funny enough to make a meme from it. Let's see, what else we got here? I'm trying to think. No, that's not in it. Okay. (coughs) Excuse me. Max Homa is a pretty good follow. He's a golfer. He's got a good sense of humor. He's from uh, L.A. or someplace. Dirk Winterbach, who hails from South Africa and now is in America, he claims, says maybe can't lay, but Max Homa is just shit at golf. Wow, Max Homa had a breakout season this year. So Max Homa says, after looking at this guy Dirk Winterbach's uh, avatar, which is a picture of him, you look like a knockoff version of the guy in movies that used to be a popular high school football player but now pumps gas in his hometown wearing his Letterman jacket that clearly does not fit anymore. Damn. Don't mess with Max Homa. Ralph Russo tweeted that teams with fired coaches went 4-0 and today in college football. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Jason Stark says the Blue Jays were 18-0 and this season when scoring nine-plus runs. They'd won their last 54 games in a row when scoring nine-plus runs. But they just lost 10-9, to uh, which sends them home for the winner after leading by seven in the sixth inning. That is just wow. Mm. Uh, Let's see, the Indians, I mean, the Guardians will not beat the Yankees, but their pitching will make it close a little bit. Greg Price tweets that UMass decided to troll conservative Christian Liberty University by having their game against them be a pride day. Uh, They went on to lose to the Christians 42 to 24. Let's see. Corey McCartney tweets, if Bryce Young doesn't play, and he didn't, history says his Heisman repeat bid is all but over. Just five players have won, missing a game. Angelo Bertelli in 1943, John David Crow of Texas A&M in 57, uh, Charles White of USC in 79, Vinny Testaverde of the Hurricanes in 86, and Charlie Ward of the Seminoles in 93. I think Bertelli was Notre Dame, but I'm not sure. He could have been Army. Uh, Let's see what else we got. Sure. No, that's not it. There was a picture someone pointed out when DeGrom left the game the other night that Buck Showalter squeezed his right butt cheek. Eh, that was a good meme. David O'Brien covers the Braves. Braves went 11 and 8 against the Phillies during the regular season. They faced them again, best of five NL Division Series. How big will it be to have Spencer Strider? In four games, three starts against the Phillies, Strider went 4 0, a 1.27 earned run average, 34 strikeouts, seven walks, and 21 and a third innings pitched. Mm. 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 Let's see. Johnny Manziel. Every single practice, you have a goal line period in practice these type of situations, like the fourth and goal. That's a joke of an ending for the Aggies. That's true. Mm, no, else I got. so Matthew Vincent says about Alabama for a team that wins so much, their fan base is awfully insecure. I did a rant about this a few weeks ago when Alabama fan attacked me. Auburn fans' is not much better these days, but uh Al- I, for as much as Alabama's won, they are the thinnest skinned college football fans I'm not kidding. Tim Brando said, look, I love Alabama, really enjoy the state, its people, and its beaches in the summer, but when it comes to football, I never cease being amazed at their insular views and insecurities. I made much of my reputation in the SEC, but I'm their Benedict Arnold now. It's laughable. I tell you, it's, it's noticeable. The great Brett Barney is a good friend of mine, is a huge Alabama fan. He's not like your typical Alabama fan. He's not that thin-skinned. He, he, he's he been around sports long enough. He knows He knows, well, he's been outside of Alabama. He knows where the real world is, but anyway. Ross Dellinger said there are 15 unbeatens in FBS now. 15 unbeaten teams, FBS. Uh, Ole Miss, Clemson, Syracuse. (laughs) Yeah, like they're getting in my top 25. Uh, Oklahoma State, TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, UCLA, USC, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, James Madison, who just, basically came up to FBS in Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers once back. Gabe Burns uh, tweets, a few Phillies fans uh, were chanting, we want Atlanta. Well, yeah, got your wish. As the machine Albert Pujols powers down, let's look back on his uh, career accomplishments here. Three-time MVP, two-time World Series champion, six-time Silver Slugger, two-time Gold Glove, and he wasn't good when he first started. Uh, 703 homers, fourth in Major League history, 2,218 career RBI, second ever, 101.6 career win above replacement, first among active players. And talk about resurrecting your career in the second half of a season. Unbelievable. Uh, Eric O'Flaherty, pitch for the Braves, tweets, 103 mile per hour fastballs with movement, 93 mile per hour sliders, 99 cutter with depth. What the? Cartoon pitches all day. This change happening in baseball would be like if a bunch of guys in the NBA just started dunking from the three-point line. It's got a good point there. Uh, Before the Buccaneers-Falcons game, this little nugget of joy came up on the screen. Uh, Out for the game, Julio Jones with a knee problem. At least it's not a hammy this time. In former Falcon Russell Gage, who played well. I think... I think... Julio's played maybe two games this year. Talk about stealing money for three, four years now. All right, here's your uh, AP top 25. Uh, number one is Georgia. They're back, back in the peep poll too. I've got uh, Georgia number one as well. Number two, people were upset when I did the peat poll early Sunday morning. Ohio State at number two. Guess what? AP has them number two too. Alabama goes to number three. And here's where we differ. Clemson, number four in the AP poll, I still have Michigan as number four, whereas AP has a number five. They struggled a little bit over the weekend. And and at first, I thought I'd drop them down too. But then I heard about Mike Hart. Mike Hart's their running back coach, former Wolverines player. He fell down and had a seizure, scary, for 10 minutes on the sidelines in the first half. Had to cart him off. He's in the hospital now. Last I checked, he's, he's doing okay. But that's, that was last night when I checked. I didn't check this morning. Imagine being a college student and watching your coach, who they all love, kind of a father figure, fall down and go into a seizure for 10 minutes where he looks like he's going to die. That, that will throw you off your game. And you could see at halftime, they probably had a really rough halftime, probably had to have the other coaches talk to him, the head coach probably too. And they came out in the second half and that was the real Michigan team in the second half. I'm giving them a pass. Now, if they struggle again next week, they're out of the top four. But I'm giving them a pass this week because they showed in the second half what they really were and uh, to overcome the fact of almost losing their coach right there in the first half. Well, and they did lose him for, to be able to coach right then there. That was a little, little tough to go over, and there's no way I was going to take him out for doing that or drop him for that. Number six is Tennessee which is higher than I have them, but I have them in the top 10. And uh, if they take care of Alabama next week in Knoxville, think about this. That's what I was trying to think of earlier. If the Aggies had beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, and then next week they go up to uh, Tennessee and lose, Ole Miss would have been number one in the West. This could have been our year. Well, let's put it this way. And I'll say this right now. The Rebels are not as good as they were last year with Matt Corral, even though they seem to be getting better. They – Looked bad in that first half, but I don't know what Lane Kiffin said to him at halftime, but they came out and kicked Vandy's butt in the second half. But Ole Miss is gonna lose more than one SEC game the rest of the way. The schedule gets really rough from here here on out. I mean it's been it's been cupcake, I'll admit. It's been cupcake pretty much up till now. It's gonna start getting harder. I think they got Auburn coming in, in Oxford, and Auburn always plays them tough and always seems to beat them, even when they're down. We'll see if they have a new coach. We'll see what if they rally behind that. But Tennessee is sixth, and if they beat Alabama next week, holy cow, then Tennessee might, might have moved up a year, in my estimation, to challenge Georgia. Uh, you All you Volunteers fans, what do you think about Josh Heupel now? Southern Cal is seventh, and Oklahoma State is eighth. That's a little low for me. Ole Miss is ninth, and then Penn State is tenth. Looking down the list here, you got TCU 13, Wake Forest 14, North Carolina State 15, Mississippi State 16. Uh, Let's see what they got. Syracuse 18th, please. Uh, Texas 22nd, Kentucky 22nd. So they got them tied? Yeah. And James Madison 25th. That's interesting. We'll get to the peak poll uh, a little later. In fact, no, no, we'll do it. I'll do it right now. Hold on, let me find it here. There's that, there's that. Okay, let's do the peak poll right now. I got UGA number one, followed by Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan. Clemson number five, then Oklahoma State six, Southern Cal seventh, Ole Miss eighth, and uh, Tennessee ninth. Uh, A lot of people think Tennessee's better, and they might be. Wake Forest rounds out the top ten. After that, NC State, Baylor, Oregon, Texas Christian, Penn State, UCLA. I got Mississippi State 17th, then Kansas State. Kansas, Cincy, Florida 21st, Utah, and then Illinois. And, yeah, Illinois, you know, they're not that that good, but still. I mean, throw them a bone, everyone. Every 20 years or so, throw them a bone. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, Okay, here's some of the tweets around the NFL and sports world after Grady Jarrett was flagged for daring to touch Tom Brady. Brian Gebhardt said, That's one of the worst calls I have ever seen. Grady couldn't lay Brady down any more gently. Oren said, What's Grady supposed to do there, hug him? Tanitra said, That call was some tomfoolery. John Fricky of 92.9 The Game's morning show, bad word alert, NFL bullshit, total damn bullshit, rigged crap. That was not roughing. NFL should be embarrassed by that shit. He later apologized for cussing so much that he'd never done that before on Twitter. Uh, Buck Lamford of Fox 5, terrible call. Brian Fennerin of 680 The Fan, uh, laughed my ass off. Tom Brady tried to kick Jarrett after the sack. What a complete and total bullshit call on Grady. That's so ridiculous. I'm sick. Holy cow. Buck Blue of 680 The Fan. Uh, Worst NFL call I've ever seen. Absolutely no way Grady Jarrett sack of Tom Brady was roughing the passer. The fix is in. Absurd. Horrible. Uh, Finneran went on to say, I thought the penalty was going to be on Brady for being a little bitch and kicking Grady. I can't believe that call. John uh, M. Chuckery of, uh, uh, oh gosh, is he at 680 or 929 in the game? I apologize. Does a good job. Uh, That's a penalty on Grady for roughing, but nothing about trotting Tua out twice in four days, huh? Uh, Mike Greenberg of Get Up. By the way, I've recorded Get Up this morning because I wanted to watch their reaction to the Mets and to the Falcons call. So I haven't been able to watch it yet because we're going to do an early camera show about 12.45. What time is it anyway? Am I running late? No. No. We got plenty of time. (laughs) Mike Greenberg of ESPN said the roughing call they just gave to Brady might be the most embarrassingly bad NFL call in five years. And there is zero chance they call it for any other quarterback. Maybe Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. But yeah, Tom Brady. They need him in the playoffs. They need him. I think he's come back one year too long. Uh, The Tempe Buccaneers said got the W at home. Can you believe that? They bragged about it. Okay. Garrett Futch may have put the coldest tweet out there. I'm glad Brady's wife is leaving him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, this this player. No, that's not it. Uh, Nicholas said, at least Brady's relationship with the refs are still intact. Can't say the same about his marriage. Ooh. Oh, Benjamin Watson, former Georgia player. Love Brady, former Patriots. Uh, Thank you, play for Georgia. Love Brady, he should be the only player that can be tackled by two-hand touch until he retires. But since that has not happened yet, that roughing the passer call on Jarrett was the most horrible call I've seen in a long time. Shameful, pathetic, cost the Falcons a chance to win late. Mm. Uh, Bill Shaken. Uh, sports writer talked to Joe Musgrove on ESPN afterwards. Actually, he listened to him on ESPN about the Mets checking for goop on his ears. And here's Joe's quote. I get it, dude. They're on their last leg. They're desperate, end quote. Yowza. I'm telling you, if Hugh Darvish is on his game and Musgrove is on his game and Blake Snell is on his game with something to prove, and Juan Soto starts hitting again, which I don't know what's up, what's, what's wrong with him. They, they tried to break down his swing the other day, and that it's not the same. But he is completely, he's hitting like 230 or something in San Diego. I mean, what's up with that? Uh, Sports Talk Atlanta Jake put out Banners Fly Forever, and he put up a New York Mets banner that reads, Beat the Braves in a Series in July. <laughs> uh, Sarah Langs, who came out saying she has ALS the other day, uh, and asked for you know donations to the cause to help uh, defeat the disease. The Padres are the first team in postseason history to allow just one hit in a winner-take-all postseason game. This was the 127th winner-take-all game in postseason history. Now, at first I thought, there's got to be more than that. But you think about it, there was not. A Bleacher Report says, October 2nd, swept by the Braves to blow the NL East. October 9th, lost the wild card to the Padres. Tough week to be a Mets fan. (laughs) There's nothing better than after the Mets lose or or Yankees get lost out of a postseason than reading the New York Post, Daily News, whoever's got a sports page up there, Newsday, whatever it is. It's hysterical. Anyway, uh, so we look back at SNY, Sports New York staff and their predictions, and we're talking, you know, Sal Licata, Anthony McCarron, Jerry Blevins, who used to pitch for the Braves in the Mets, and a few other guys. Uh, Here's their World Series champion picks. Astros, Mets, Lakata had the Mets. Astros, Dodgers, Mets, Blevins had the Mets. Astros, Cardinals, Mets, Astros, Dodgers. Uh, None of them had the Braves winning the World Series. In fact, only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times in the postseason that one somebody here picked the Braves the rest of them it's all every other team every other team uh some guy held up a sign uh, yesterday at the city field it said somewhere men are laughing and somewhere children sing but there is no joy in Metsville for the Mets have choked again (laughs) Uh, Casey at the bat a little a little help there Uh, Fox Sports MLB, the Mets are now the first 100-win team to fail to reach the Division Series since the Division Series was implemented in 1995 and the wild card game uh, implemented in 2012. Uh, Two of the most egregious Mets sycophants and assholes were Keith Olbermann, uh, who basically called earlier this year uh, Braves fans stupid because the only song we knew the lyrics to was the Tomahawk Chop and he's run his mouth before, and a guy called KFC up there in New York City. All the Braves fans that have been tweeting me tick-tock, tick-tock through the season, most definitely thinking you would be in the lead of the NL East by now. You have about nine days to try to open up approximately a 10-game lead, because once September hits, it's over. Mets might not lose in September. He posted that in uh, August. Because the... As everybody was saying, oh God, I can't wait to hear Chris Russo of High Heat. I'm going to tell you Wednesday what he had to say too, because uh, he he's been bitching about the Mets for a while now, but and saying that there's no way in hell they're going to win, win. And uh, Al Leiter came on and tried to say the Mets are going to go all the way. It's like are you out of your mind. And even Russo at the end of it said, I'm going to stick with my prediction. I think the Mets will beat the Astros or something like that. It's like oh, you got to be kidding. So KFC has gone really, he's gone radio silent. I haven't seen anything from him on Twitter recently. Uh, Beck Lambert is uh, an Englishman, lives over there, and put a picture of a guy walking around with a cheese hat on. Why are there men walking around Liverpool Street Station with lumps of cheese on their heads? (laughs) And and, uh, your white knight replied, one should never have to justify a cheese hat. And uh, these are cheese people. They are waiting for the invasion signal from the Eggman. Cuckoo, cachoo. And basically the Packers were over there. That's playing. That's why there was. Uh, Mike Puma covers the New York uh, Mets for the Post. Uh, Talked to Max Scherzer. Scherzer said, this is a kick in the balls. (laughs) Uh, College football. Fox College football says, there are nine teams already set to go bowling this season. Uh, UCLA, Ohio State, Coastal Carolina, uh, USC, Clemson, Alabama, Ole Miss, Michigan, and Georgia. Mike Clevenger will get the ball for Game 1 at Dodger Stadium against the Dodgers. Mike Clevenger of the Padres had a 9.69 ERA against LA this season, according to B.R. Walkoff. That is not good. Gwinnett Striper said, So we can fully admit it now. Narco by Timmy Trumpet is kind of a banger. <laughs> All right, what else we got here? In fact, Trumpets was trending on Twitter last night. Um, the fewest hits in a potential elimination game in major league postseason history. You have the 1990 NLCS Pirates, one hit. Uh, that was not the Braves. That was, uh, I don't know who did that to them in 1990. Uh, now, nah, let's see, what is this, Cleveland, 19, the, yeah, the Indians in 1995 World Series, game six, Tom Glavin and Mark Wallers held them to one hit, I was there, uh, then in 2000, NLDS, the Giants were held to one hit, and in 2022, NLWC wildcard round, the Mets held one hit, and the Mets are the only one that it happened to at home. <laughs> Eric O'Flaherty, when a pitcher is locked in and your offense looks hopeless, why not try to something do something to throw him off his game? Who cares how it looks? If Musgrove would have gotten rattled and given up a three spot, everybody would be praising Buck Showalter. He's absolutely correct. Uh, baseball Gifts says, at 36 years, the Mets' World Series drought is now longer than the Marlins at 19, Phillies at 13, Nationals with three, and the Braves at zero combined. Baseball. Uh, let's get to, uh, when I posted on Facebook the Braves have locked up Strider with a six-year, $75 million deal, Jeff Rittman, who's a hell of a cook, Man, his barbecue is amazing. Says that Spencer is a must-stash-away player. Must-stash-away player. Pretty good. Pretty damn good. And that's Pete's Tweets. Going to take a sip. Ugh, what time is it? There's no way it's 10.14. It is 11.30. i got to get a move on. i got to take a shower. Everybody would appreciate it if I took a shower before I left up the apartment today in baseball history October 10th of 1904 the last day of the season uh, on one day of rest Pilgrims right-hander Bill Dineen beat Jack Chesbro when the 41 game winner uncorks a ninth inning wild pitch which snapped a 2-2 tie against the Highlanders wow uh 1916 in game three Charlie Ebbets became the first owner he was of the Dodgers to raise the price of a World Series grandstand seat to five dollars up from three bucks 1920, Indians' Bill Wamsgontz, one of the great names of all time, the only player in World Series history to complete an unassisted triple play. He made a leaping catch, stepped on second base, tagged the runner arriving from first. Silence engulfs Cleveland's league park as the hometown fans try to digest what just happened. 1923, in the first postseason game ever played at Yankee Stadium, veteran New York Giants outfitter Casey Stingle became the first player to hit a World Series homer in the Bronx ballpark. He broke a 4-4 deadlock in the top of the ninth with an inside-the-park round-tripper off Joe Bush. The game Won matchup is the first fall classic contest broadcast nationally. October 10, 1924, Uh, The score tied 3-3, one out in the bottom of the 12th, Game 7 of the World Series. Senator's backstop, Muddy Rule, lifts a high-catchable foul pop-up, which Giants catcher Hank Gowdy misses when he stumbles over his own mask. Given a second chance, Rule then doubles and eventually scores the winning run, making the Senators world champs for their only time. 1948. Until the Dodgers host the 1959 Fall Classic at L.A. Coliseum, the largest crowd to attend a World Series game jammed to Cleveland's Municipal Stadium to witness the showdown between two future Hall of Famers. Uh, Braves lefty Warren Spahn beat Bob Feller and the Indians in Game 5 of the Fall Classic, 11-5, in front of 86,288 fans. 1956, Game 7 of the series, Johnny Cucks, sorry, K-U-C-K-S, Allowed just three singles, he blanked Brooklyn 9-0 to give the Yankees their 17th World Championship. In the last postseason game played at Ebbets Field, the 24-year-old right-hander ends the game by striking out Jackie Robinson. It turns out to be the Dodger infielders' final major league at bat when he decides to retire instead of reporting to the New York Giants in the offseason. I'm not playing for the Giants, he said, and he quit. October 10th. We didn't quit. He retired. 1957, the 5 nothing victory over the defending world champions in Game 7 at Yankee Stadium. Milwaukee, the Braves, captured their first World Series championship since the Miracle Braves of 1914 in Boston. The most valuable player is 30-year-old right-hander Lou Burdett. He pitched three complete game victories, including the shutout that day. 1964, at Yankee Stadium, Mickey Mantle facing Barney Schultz. Schultz, I know nothing, slams the first pitch at the bottom of the ninth inning out of the Bronx ballpark, giving New York a dramatic 2-1 walk-off victory and a two-games-to-one advantage over St. Louis in the Fall Classic. The Cardinals would go on to win and end the Yankees dynasty, which went all the way back to 1920. The mixed game-winning round tripper, his 16th World Series homer, broke the mark set by Babe Ruth, made Mickey the fifth major leaguer to end a World Series game with a home run. 1968 bob gibson set the mark for total strikeouts 35 in the world series went the distance in his eighth consecutive world series game imagine that lost game seven to detroit four to one the only time the cardinals righty who had a 1.89 postseason era did not finish a fall classic contest was in his first appearance in 64 against the yankees when he went eight innings that's all dominant that's why he's if i have a pitching staff my all-time great he's one of the right-handers October 10th, 1970, the first World Series game played on artificial turf, Boo, Boog, Powell, Ellie Hendricks, and Brooks Robinson homer to power the Orioles over the Reds 4-3 to three in game one at Riverfront. Uh, 1973, during oral arguments in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, Potter Stewart is handed a note with the startling news that Vice President Agnew, Spiro Agnew, had just resigned. But there was something else on the note. The message also informed the Republican Justice Stewart, a big Cincinnati Reds fan, that the Mets were winning in the NLCS 2 to nothing. <laughs> 1978, before the start of Game 1 of the World Series, the Dodgers retired Jim Gilliam's uniform number 19, honoring their coach who had died suddenly two days ago due to a massive brain hemorrhage. The 49-year-old former All-Star L.A. infielder, the first player not inducted into the Hall of Fame to get that tribute. 1993, the BBWAA Sports Riders select Chicago slugger Frank Thomas as the American League MVP. First baseman ranked him on the top 10 of the league's nine offensive categories, hit 317 with 41 homers, and knocked in 128 runs for the division winning White, white Sox. Of course, now he, the Columbus, Georgia native, has moved on to do some very interesting TV ads. She'll like it too. Uh, October 10, 2005, Rafael Palmero, asshole avoids perjury charges when a congressional subcommittee decides not to prosecute him following his investigation. They should have. The former Orioles first baseman D.H. had piqued the legislator's interest when he tested positive for steroids four months after pointing his finger at the committee during a Capitol Hill hearing, emphatically denying that he had used performance enhancing substances. Every time a Democrat shakes his finger at you, you know damn well they're lying. See Bill Clinton. 2008, earlier in the day, Phillies manager Charlie Manuel learns of his mother's death at a Virginia hospital. The grieving skipper, one of 10 of June's children, stayed with the team, directs his club to an 8-5 victory against the Dodgers in Philadelphia in Game 2 of the NLDS. Thanks to Saturday Down South, ESPN On This Day, and National Pastime for helping me out with this lovely show for you today as I really need to get a move on here. Let me see if we've missed anything Twitter wise. Let's see if Auburn's fired anybody. It's been a few minutes. Uh, Anthony says about the Spencer Strider signing. I submit the batch of long term signings with this group has been one of the most brilliant things this organization has ever done. High praise. High praise indeed. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find. Uh, Spencer Strider, quote, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. It's the people that make this a really great place. Ole Miss has lost their tight end Michael Trigg for the season with a broken collarbone. We can't have anything nice. Uh, Chick McGee yeah, on the Bob and Tom show, did Mike Greenberg just say shit on the air? Very impressive if he did. Hey, I got to really watch that show now. Uh, Max Freed, of course, will be the game one starter for the Braves. By the way, Matt Rule is so fired. Uh, the Panthers' offensive ranks since last season, uh, they're either last or 28th in almost every category, offensive category that matters. Hmm. In fact, yeah, he just got fired. Sorry, that's why they were talking about him. Adam Schefter says former Panthers head coach Matt Rule now leaves the Panthers, being owed north of forty million dollars. Now, okay, if Auburn does fire Harson, Matt Rule was a pretty damn good coach in college. Was it was at Temple and Baylor that he came from. So one of those Texas schools, pretty good college coach. Didn't work out in the NFL. You know, no big deal. He was he wasn't a horrible coach, but he wasn't a good coach in the NFL. But he was a damn good college coach. So is he, I could see him at Colorado. I could see him out there at Arizona State. I don't think, think he would fire up the fan base too much at Auburn considering the fact that he was you know, he was with the Carolina Panthers, and that's a little close. People were paying attention. Uh, PFT Commenter says, Getting paid $42 million to not have to coach the Panthers is absolutely the American dream. <laughs> Here is Matt Rule's starting quarterbacks during his 38-game tenure. According to Schefter, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Baker Mayfield. What put the Dell in a coffin was thinking that Baker Mayfield is an NFL quarterback. He is not. He is so bad. Uh, Brett McMurphy says the Husker hex is real and it's spectacular. Since beating Nebraska, Northwestern uh, is zero and five. Oklahoma zero and three. Georgia Southern one and three. They are combined one and eleven. Hmm. Uh, supposedly, the Hawks are engaged with the Suns on a Jay Crowder trade, according to Real GM. Big John Radcliffe uh, retweeted that. Uh, Mac Tannenbaum, another cautionary tale of a very successful college coach not transitioning into the NFL. Mm. Uh, what else we got here? Not seeing still anything. Uh, the Browns have released quarterback Josh Rosen. Gosh, he was still getting a paycheck. He's the Julio Jones of the Browns. Let's see how they're The Braves still have the starting lineup for the uh, Game 3 of the Braves-Mets series up at Truist Park. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha. What else we got here? All right, I'm not seeing anything jumping out there. All right, let's go to ESPN. Check the headlines. Watch, uh, within five minutes of me sitting on that couch over there, Auburn will fire Brian Harson. You know it's going to happen. Uh, the Panthers are one and four. That's why they fired him. Uh, by the way, the uh, referee bad call against the Falcons is the number one story on ESPN right now after Matt Rule getting fired. Um, some of the Mets are saying it's the worst day of the year. <laughs> oh, okay, Mike Hart is back in Ann Arbor. He's out of the hospital. The running back's coach, he says he's getting better. Uh, What else we got here? He he thanked everybody for helping him out. Uh, At the time, running backs Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards were visibly emotional as Hart was being attended to on the sidelines. The Indiana coaches came out in the field to check on him. Uh, He coached at Indiana, too, a few years ago. Uh, he rushed for 5,000 yards for the Wolverines. That's still the career-rushing leader for Michigan, by the way. He's only 36 years old. Uh, he looks forward to rejoining the team, he says, soon, but not right now. So prayers out to Mike Hart on that. All right, that's it. So uh, gird your loins for something coming down from the plains, but... So far, it's uh, 11.45 a.m. and nothing. Of course, it's 10.45 over there. They may be just in the middle of it. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, we'll talk about it Wednesday, uh, whether it happens or not. Uh, Once again, Pete Davis 1 on Twitter, farmhouseprintingco.com for all your T-shirt needs. Really appreciate you listening. Really, really do. There's Patreon and all kinds of good stuff if you like us, (laughs) if you like the show. Anyway, drink up, Shriners. See you Wednesday. Good Lord willing.